off the ball. The second biggest cheer was Ronaldo warmed up. The biggest cheer was when Ronaldo came on the pitch. There is still this fixation of Ronaldo is coming onto the pitch and he buys into Subscribe that. now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, you're very welcome back. So we are, where are we? Five o'clock. Been a long day. We're going to go back to Thelman Park. Keith Wood is standing by. I presume you're fo- frozen through at this stage. I was well dressed. I have Good. to say, no, I, I'm, I'm I, like, I look absolutely ridiculous, but I do that most of the time. But no, I have about 15 different layers on because it's bloody freezing. We have gone full time. So in the end, it is Toulouse who come through. Munster 13, Toulouse 18. So a losing bonus point for Munster. They have Northampton next. Uh, Toulouse will play Sale, which should be very interesting. Sale second in the Premiership and they have hammered Ulster today 39-0, which is an extraordinary scoreline. But Munster 13, Toulouse 18. It has just gone full time. Uh, Broad thoughts here because uh, I suspect Munster fans, Munster at large, can take plenty from this game, but no joy in the end. No, I think that's a fair a fair call. It actually they did have a decent chance at different times. Um, a little bit of attention to detail, and that tends to go when you're under a lot of pressure. Um, I, I I thought maybe for the last 30 minutes in particular, um, all the rock times were much much slower. Um, Casey was on for the first 10 minutes of this of the second half. He went off, and Patterson went on instead, and it didn't speed up at all. I mean, it looked to me as if the forwards were being um, were being uh, bullied just a little bit at that stage. They were they were trying manfully, but they weren't getting uh, where they wanted to with quick enough balls. So scrum halves are having to fight for it a lot. Um, I will admit that some of this I'm guessing because you can't see the other half of the pitch at the present moment in time and if anything happened over there with the fog that's down um, you couldn't actually see where the ball was I was wondering at one stage whether it was too dangerous when the ball was kicked in the air whether people were going to collide so um, for me it felt as if Toulouse didn't fully come out of third gear Um, they looked as if they were they were comfortable for an awful lot of the game even though they didn't have the ball for the first 20 minutes of the game they just seemed they just they took whatever chance they had when they went up the field. That's pretty much what happened. And but they didn't feel as if they were being too pre- too pressed or too pushed too much. Monster were hanging on all the time. And there's a couple of things, or two or three things that kind of went awry. Some of the passing, um, I don't know, the, the passing was poor. But a lot of players, the ball hit their hands as opposed to their hands being up to get the ball. That happened three, four, five times. Um, there were a couple of players who looked to be running the wrong line and a lot of that comes down to fatigue on a new system trying to come in and trying to get different players in I will say though when they brought on Jack Crowley with about 20 minutes to go it looked like Munster were a little bit more coherent in being able to do different things rather than just chip-ons and having another playmaker there I think is something that Munster will look to in the future Okay. I'm conscious we've just gone full-time. People may not have seen the game, so slightly less considered analysis maybe than we might usually do on a Monday or Wednesday night rugby. Uh, Munster, if you are just tuning in, got off to a very good start. Joey Carberry with a try on 10 minutes. That put Munster 7-0 up. Then, really having not had much of the first 23 minutes at all, to lose in that typical fashion with a rare uh, foray up into the Munster 22, made the most of it. It was a great try, great hands 
from one side of the pitch to the other. Uh, Matis Lebel finished that off. So it was 7-7 and it was, it was 10 points apiece at the break. Keith, I thought if there's a, 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 a you can pinpoint almost a momentum swing early in the second half to lose off a mall going forward. I think there was a penalty coming anyway. They score a try off that mall and they went 15-10 up and just two, three minutes later, Munster in fairness got back up the other end of the pitch and had a line out from five metres and won the line out. And the Toulouse Mall, which had been so effective the other end of the pitch, managed to withstand Munster and win a penalty. And it was a big turnover and a big moment. And, and that power differential was a big aspect today. Well, I think it was actually for, for the Toulouse try in the corner off the mall. There was such a need for Munster players to, to join the mall. There ended up being an overlap on the short side. Um, there was a, a tiny little extra nudge and John Hodnett went into the back of that mall to try and stop it. He needed not to be there. Um, it was a judgment call for him to do it. Um, it's easy for me standing up here. I think Craig Casey was shouting at him to get him down onto that blind side because there was there was an overlap. So it seemed like an easy walk-in try at that stage. Uh, on the other side, I, I felt Munster should have kicked the points. Um, and they were they were in a very kickable position and they kicked in the corner and of course the crowd reacted accordingly to it that was a great sign of intent but it, like you're you're putting a, a really good actually the Munster's lineup worked incredibly incredibly well for the game um, but the mall didn't go f- that much forward um, at different times they didn't try it very often because you're up against a huge pack and I, and what happened in that in that um, mall it crabbed a little bit, it moved, and it looked like Munster were doing well, but there was plenty of Toulouse players there to stop it when it moved again in the corner, and then that split up the mall, and suddenly it's a turnover, and mm. that's a, a chance gone. And actually what happened on the other side of the field was every time Toulouse got within sight of the line, had a chance to score, they went and they scored. And I think you'd expect it from, from, from that side, but they didn't really set the place alight I, you know like it's a, it's a horrible day here it's yeah. absolutely freezing but they but they, they came over and did a job that was incredibly professional got themselves into a really good position for, for later on um, but uh, yeah look, I think Munster be I think Munster fans will be pretty happy um, I think they showed an awful lot I think some of the players will really have to up their skill level to play at that level and that's fine because that's part of the job for the coaches and that's going to have to happen. Um, and against, I think they would have beaten a lot of teams today in the manner in which they played. They would have got a lot more line breaks than they did. Um, I just think Toulouse were incredibly professional job done. Mm. Munster in attack looked to show a lot more ambition than we've seen in recent seasons. This was not a kickathon. They really tried to go through hands and they had some lovely little passages in there and, and maybe let down at times, as you said, by skill set or in fairness to Toulouse, some of their counter-rooking very effective as well. A counter-rooking and they, they have a shooter out of the line. They, they, they use one player to go about five metres deeper and as soon as the scrum half lifts the ball, he runs from five metres deep. I mean, it... it um, it leads to all the crowd thinking that they're offside, but they're not offside. And they, they, they manage it really, really well. So they end up tackling a lot of monster players behind the gain line. So there was a lot of tip-ons, which is good. There was some def- decent wraparound moves, but you really need to have a cutting threat off it. And very few of those, um, you know, it's, it's much improved um um, style, much improved ambition from Munster, but you do need guys 
to expect that you're going to break the gain line and run a really hard line. You need to see those become 15, 20, 30 metre line breaks. And that didn't happen today. I thought Toulouse's defence was incredibly um, Mm. clued in. So even though at times it looked a touch more fluid and ambitious on Munster's part, I think to go back to a point you made earlier on, you felt ultimately Toulouse would have considered themselves mostly in control of the situation. Well, they weren't for 20 minutes, but they kind of were biding their time for 20 minutes. And But afterwards, when they got the chance, they got the score. Yeah. So it was hard work for Munster to score. It was easier for Toulouse. And for me, it, that looks like a sense of confidence in the players that they have that they knew that if 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 needs must at some stage they could get up the field and and eke out a score without too much effort and they did that consistently I, I don't think Toulouse played particularly well in attack they didn't try an awful lot they actually kicked quite a lot of ball away and I think an awful lot of that was to do with the conditions um I still would have said that what Munster were trying to do was entirely right, mm. but I do think you need to be looking to break the break the gain line, and I still think too many players are taking the ball into contact with the ball under their arm, so that makes it very hard to go for an offload offload if you had made a break. So, but I I do think that's the piece of work that's uh, in train at the moment and is trying to get players to 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 look for the offload, but also to look for space on the field. Some of the passing from from um, from Toulouse were was extraordinary, like 15, 20 meter cutout passes that that just looked they were beautiful, but they were they were beautiful because they were dead flat. There was yeah. no you know there was no uh, height on the ball. It was putting people into space, um, and uh, like Monster Monster looked far more comfortable with the ball than they have done. Mm. So again, like I'm I, I try not to be negative with it because they've lost a game and they're playing at home and they'd want to be able to win at home. Um, they were playing a great side. They, I, I think they could have won the game, but they would have needed everything to go for them. We mentioned pre-game that Joey Carberry and Craig Casey might be looking at each other and thinking, you know, we play our cards right here. We could be the Irish nine and ten very, very soon. How did they look today? Uh, I thought I thought they both played pretty well. I thought it. Um, I thought it slowed down the second half for for Craig Casey, and he was digging for ball. And in fairness to Roundtree, he made he made the right call. He made a call to to change it up, because that sometimes that's required, though it didn't lead to much of an effect. I thought Carberry played pretty well. He threw a few loose pa- passes, but I was trying to figure out whether that was to do with the fog or what. I don't quite know, but they were loose and behind. Uh, people which actually led to one of the tries um, so that was a mistake that that happened there um, I felt at times I'd like him attacking the gain line a little bit more he was quite deep at different times and that works for a lot but just to mix it up a little but again I thought I thought he looked well I thought he kicked pretty well um, I know he put a, a kick over I couldn't see whether it had gone over or not um, but he I thought he looked confident um, but as I said at the very start I think I think he needs another playmaker off him. Mm. Um, I thought uh, Anton Frisch, um, I think he's exciting. and He did uh, get a few out of his hands yeah, when he was t- in the tackle. Yes, he did. And I, I think he needs a, a playmaker uh, beside him. Um, How many playmakers is that now? Three? Two. No, just two. <laughs> so you think uh, Frisch, or well, is, is Frisch not enough of a playmaker alongside Carberry? Um, I, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, look, you either have a, a, a big, huge centre, which is always the, the, the sort of the style, the more traditional style, you'd have a bigger 12 and a more kind of playmaker 13. But 
the, the manner in which Munster are trying to play, they need as many playmakers on the field as they can get, and they need them that, who can defend well. And um, no, Munster weren't exposed in the centre at all today. I didn't think, and um, it's just it was just one of those days. It was a it was a strange game, and like the crowd was was loud and muted and loud and muted and very angry with the ref- referee a lot of the time. Um, but it wasn't. It was kind of it's unusual because I'm sitting here now and there's nobody else left in the stadium, but I can't see the other half of the pitch. Um, so it was a kind of unusual, earthly, or you know, strange silence. Yes. Well, I mean, there were periods. I was watching the game on BT, and there were periods where Ryan Nugent said, "I'll be honest, I don't know where that ball has gone after it had been kicked." So it really was an extraordinary uh, set of circumstances. From what you could see up front, you mentioned Gavin Coombs. You would be. You said you were keen to see how he might go after a disappointing November. A series at the RDS in particular for him. What about Munster up front? Who who stood out? Maybe give us a word on Coombs to, to start with. Yeah, on, on Coombs, I thought he started very well. Um, he did make one of those carries, a sort of 10 or 15 metre carry. Um, it just, I'm not saying that the game drift past him, but you need different players to bring different things to it. So um, we did see a bit more from him than we have. And look, I think Munster raised themselves up to play in a big European game. And I think that was really important. Um, he did pretty well. I thought John Ryan did pretty well at the start. Um, John Klein put in some incredibly heavy hits and then had a couple of knock-ons and a couple of penalties were, were given away. And so it's it's trying to get an awful lot of things going well and well enough for them so I think a lot of them are playing fairly well but I don't know that you would say that there was a lot of standouts from it I think Tigburn was a standout today he did a huge amount of work um, and a lot of the work that he does seems to lead to uh, up-tempo game um, and that's what's required for Munster for the most part See the rule there is to wear a blue scrum hat, a cap in the, in the fog he'll be spotted yeah, yeah, I think that kind of that works. That works to some degree, definitely. But he actually also does well. He even had, which we couldn't see, but I could see it from the replay that was there. He had a big uh, hoof down the field, which I approved of, of course. Yes, indeed. Uh, so for next for Munster is Northampton, who were beaten by La Rochelle on a bad scoreline yesterday. It's managed to disappear from my computer. Perfect timing. We have it back. 46 points to 12. And I would say they're sixth in the Premiership. I would say over the last couple of years, I think Northampton's interest in this competition has been about abject. So Munster, even though they're in the tougher pool, they're not out of this. Northampton are there. Yeah, I think um, like for, for Munster now, they have to win home and away yeah. against, against Northampton. Um, and that's entirely within their capacity, I would say. Um, and then they have the rather frightening and daunting trip back down to Toulouse. So, um, uh, yeah, look, they have to win these two matches and see what happens. I'm not still entirely certain exactly how everybody will, will fit into it. And I'm also, we've said this consistently, you know, when certain when certain teams get a bad result, they're just gone yeah. from this competition, which makes it very hard to have the highest level of credibility within it, but also makes it incredibly hard for other teams who still believe that they can do well and they'll put everything they can into it. Um, and other other teams can leapfrog them because some teams are totally disinterested. So, mm. But look, we look forward to next weekend and see what happens then. Um, th- there's been varying different levels of 
of performances this weekend with Leinster being phenomenal yesterday um, Ulster being abject today Munster being somewhere in between the two Well on Ulster for anyone tuning in Sale Sharks and Sale admittedly are second in the Premiership and very physical side but Sale Sharks 39 Ulster 0 6 tries this was in Sale I was saying to you early on, I was trying to find some mitigation to explain this result because it just doesn't make sense given the form of Ulster and given the 15 that they put on the pitch. I think I have found some. So just reading here from the Belfast Telegraph. uh, The Ulster squad were forced to wait until Sunday morning to leave Belfast ahead of their Champions Cup opener away to sale. Manchester Airport closed two runways on Saturday due to snow. Knock-on effect saw their afternoon flight delayed multiple times and then it was ultimately cancelled in the evening so they had to return to Belfast International Sunday morning ahead of a one o'clock kickoff and some of the group headed to Birmingham some of the group headed to Liverpool and they reconvened in sale and they were without Ian Henderson John Cooney and Robert Balakun. I don't know if it explains 39-0 but it certainly explains a loss now they have La Rochelle coming next Friday you were saying pre-game that the, the manner of the, the, the defeat at the RDS hasn't helped either but there is some mitigation at least in their preparation yeah, there is some, um, and Leinster would say that they were, had been fairly heavily delayed the previous day themselves, and that they responded accordingly. I look, I thought Ulster were a bit vulnerable after the manner of their defeat against Leinster last week. So I, I, I did think that there would be, they may not be able to get their confidence up to the level that they'd want. Um, but I, there's no way in the world I would have expected to see that scoreline. And, um, like I, look, I've watched the improvement of Ulster for the last few years I think they're a really good side a young side they're getting players that are through they're pretty confident um, but uh, but they lost a lot of that confidence last weekend and you know they need they need you know they need to be able to bounce back to this and say listen that's a huge loss that we've had mm. we need to get our act in gear again for La Rochelle and Belfast yeah, which is, you know... What's the appetite? Yeah, and next weekend isn't going to be particularly warm either, apparently. So um, so that could be another interesting sort of day. But um, but look, that's the job. That's what mm. they have to do. And um, look, they have big dreams. You never, you never fault a team that has big dreams and they want to do really well and they really wanted to put a marker down last week. And I think things could have been drastically different if they had... Um, but that's part of the process, part of the journey that the teams have to go through. So they need to figure that out this week. Yeah. On the other side of that coin, they're well into this journey with Dan McFarland. They've made improvements. And you would look at last season, the way they lost to Toulouse in particular over those two legs, the way they, they bowed out at the URC and uh, knockout stages. And you think, well, you know, how many lessons do you need to learn here? Is there, is there, is there something more serious at play with Ulster psychologically, maybe? Well, I don't, I don't know, but I think when you're playing against Leinster and Leinster played in the, in the manner that they played last week, which was um, um, they played like the worst 40 minutes of rugby that they've played in about two years. Yeah. And uh, Ulster were in pole position at that stage and Leinster were down to 14 players. And um, whether they took it for granted... And like you're often, so the idea is, is is trying to get your confidence in a right place and understanding that you can go and do a job. And also, like when I say about dreaming, you're almost vulnerable when you dream that much. They want to be the best team in Ireland. So that's a huge, huge game for them. And they're in a position to do it. They were so close to it. It was within their gift. And they got absolutely blown away mm. with 40 minutes. So I think that is a bit damaging. And, um, but again... I, 
I wouldn't have seen it being as damaging as it was, no. you know. So maybe it's a catalogue of a whole variety of different things. So the, the travel making it very awkward, a few injuries of key um, personnel um, being a bit vulnerable after that loss last week. And they all kind of pulled in together to, to have that horrible score. OK, before you go and Frostbite takes over, uh, Racing 10, Leinster 42, you alluded to it. It was 21-3 at halftime. It was game over at halftime. Leinster mean in defence and then awesome going forward. Any kind of try you want to see, they were scoring it. There was the, the ring rose try, which is probably an early contender for try of the season. And then inside the 22 for the bonus try, there was that lovely pass to van der Fleer when it looked for all the world like they were going to go the battering ram approach. And you kind of come away and you look at this Leinster team and you say, bloody hell, I mean, <laughs> consistently probably the best team in Europe and, and deserve maybe more to show for it because, I mean, it was, that's a phenomenal performance. Well, it is, but one of the great things of, of the tournaments that, that have been, and even with the constant tinkering with it, which is, would drive us all to distraction, you still end up with great teams in the semi-finals and great teams in the final. That that has happened every single, every single year. Mm. And... Um, and because of that, there's no divine right for Leinster to win anything. Like, but we know they're they're unbelievably good. They have a great um, coaching philosophy. They have a, a great group of coaches who have who have pretty much empowered the players to do an awful lot. Um, they have some really great players. Like I think Ringrose is just absolutely on fire at yeah, the moment. He's never played better, really, has no, he? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. And they're missing Henshaw, and he's a he's a better player with Henshaw beside him too. And um, but it was the attitude, and that's the difference. This, the, the, these are the sort of things that they grow up on, their reaction to not winning the trophy for the last couple of years, which is that when they get a chance, they're going after mm. teams. So they're 21 up, but they didn't stop at all. They're ruthless in the second half. So that's something that's that sets the standard, sets the psychological standard of some of the teams. Now they have the players to back it up afterwards. So it's, um, I mean, they're in a really, really good position. Yeah. And... But they're also there and have been there for everybody to use as a marker as to what they can actually do or not do and what's the standard to get. And people want to knock them off that perch all the time, whether they're champions or not. Uh, James Lowe has hit the ground running on his return for sure. Uh, There is no doubt Ross Byrne is probably enjoying life right now as well. There's not the same sense of Johnny Sexton is missing that there is around Ireland. And one I want to get your, your thoughts on. So it was Jenkins in the second row at Ryan. And, and as was the case against Ulster, Ryan Baird at six. So that's, that's a slightly beefier, heavier pack. Do you, would you envisage that being the way Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster will go this season? Um, I, well, I do think so. But I also think Caelan Doris is doing an unbelievable mountain of work. Um, and he offers so much of, of quality to, to the team. Um, Baird being second row, come back row. Look, that's the way the game has gone. If you look at every team, that's the, the vast majority are trying to play those guys in the second row. Munster would be playing Tigburn, I think, in the back row um, if they had more second rows and they weren't all injured, you know. So, and that's one of the if things. Only that, they had a Jason Jenkins, uh, perhaps. But if, sure, there you go. <laughs> Um, but that is the way it's going. But that is the way an awful lot of it's going. And that is the way that. Um, um, uh, which in many respects is a bit frustrating because you want the different styles and types of players that are able to get in there but um, look they've oh, they've said consistently what they need what they don't make as much of is ballast you know so they've consistently gone for 
you know, a heavy hitting player um, and they're the ones that they've been very keen on when they've done very well with it and um, uh, in their in their recruitment policies. So that fits a hole for them. I like to imagine you now in total darkness at Thomond Park. Gates locked. You're stuck there for the evening. I'm not far off it now. I, there's, there's, um, I've Tommy Rooney has just come up to me now again. He was just, he was <laughs> when just. When are we go? Can we go? Just, oh no, he said he wants to have another eight minutes with me after we go off air here. Oh, no. I'm thinking of not doing it actually, just to upset him. But no, they're collecting rubbish here. They're very uh, assiduous here to get the place clean afterwards. It's the lights are still on. I imagine they're going to go off pretty soon. Um, the steps are treacherous here. They're covered in salt. So um, so it could go down into the uh, insurance policy for off the ball. Very good. Uh, thank you so much. You've been there a long time, so we appreciate it. Cheers. A pleasure. Cheers, Joe. Keith Wood with us uh, live from Thomond Park. And just a reminder, by the way, that Monday Night Rugby, Wednesday Night Rugby and our chats with Brian O'Driscoll now uh, less available on YouTube, but very much available in full on podcast if you're looking for them so you can just check out the OTB uh, rugby feed and you'll find us there Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us